Welcome to Amplify, a podcast that gives marginalized communities and diverse people a platform to share their story and reclaim their narrative. Hi guys, welcome to our first episode of Amplify. My name is Summer Al-Khudri and I am the host of this podcast. And today we are interviewing Minna Hijazi. Before we jump into this episode, I just want to interject and let you guys know a couple wonky things that are happening in this episode, just so that you guys are aware. So this episode was filmed remotely, of course, in order to practice social distancing, but also many of our interviews are actually filmed internationally and across borders, so unfortunately we can't actually meet in person as well. So the audio quality may not sound the same on either side, and we really tried to edit to compensate and try to use similar microphones, and as you proceed through the episode, you'll notice that the audio quality gets much better. And also we had some internet difficulties, you know, everybody's using the internet during this time, especially Zoom or any of the other platforms that we were using and so a lot of times we would get disconnected so some of the words may be choppy and sometimes the internet would cut out and so we really did try to continue the conversation and make it flow as much as possible. This is also recorded at the end of the March so keep in mind that a lot of the regulations that we were talking about are much more alleviated and they're no longer in place so they may not be as applicable right now so that's what we were referring to at the time. So let's just get back into the episode. So then Minna thank you Thank you so much for being our first guest on the first episode of the podcast Amplify. We're really excited to have you on to talk about your experiences during coronavirus and then your experiences living overseas as well during quarantine. So can you tell our audience who you are and a little bit about yourself? Hi, thank you for hosting me today. So my name is Minna Hjazi. I'm from Palestine, Gaza City. I'm living here in Evansville, Indiana, in university, studying also in the University of Southern Indiana as an exchange student for one year. Uh, then I'm going to go back to my country. So you mentioned uh, that you were on exchange program. Exactly. Did you mention where you're from? I'm from Palestine, Gaza. My exchange program is UGRAD, Global Undergraduate Exchange Program. And it's, it's sponsored by the U.S. Department of State and funded by the U.S. government and administrated by World Learning. So that's a really cool experience that you're able to come here from overseas. Can you tell us a little bit about, like, where you're from? Like, where is it in the world? I know maybe many of our audience may be aware of where it is. Yeah, so Palestine is a Middle Eastern country. It's basically administered or occupied by Israel, including Gaza, Jerusalem, and West Bank. Okay, so so you're saying that it was occupied by another region. So is there a lot of turmoil, like difficulties living there? Yeah, it is so difficult actually to go out Gaza. It was I I had to face to face many challenges in order to come here as the to the access of the border uh, in Gaza was so restricted. So can you tell a little bit more to our audience about some of the challenges that you posed coming here to the United States? Like what was the process like? Maybe like the application process, uh, visa, all of that. Yeah, sure. So uh, basically we don't have embassy in Gaza or in 
Palestinian territories. So I had to move uh, from Gaza to go to Jordan to to make my interview for the visa application. I it was so difficult moving from Gaza. It like it was a whole day from from the morning until the evening. I was just moving, crossing all the checkpoints and borders, and eventually I reached uh, uh, Jordan. And then I had to make my interview, but uh, then I faced some difficulty. I waited for my visa for 14 days because there were some informations that are required for Palestinian people coming from Gaza. So you had to make like a pit stop in Jordan before you got here. And you said you spent quite some time there. Did you have any family to stay with? Like, how did you occupy your time while you were there? Uh, basically, I don't have anyone. I don't have family in Jordan. I was just sitting in the hotel waiting. It was so stressful time. I was just waiting for my visa to be issued. Uh, because I was really afraid not to get my visa and to go all the way back to Gaza again. So is that a lot of challenges that people um, from Gaza pose that like their visas are denied and they they have to go back to their home countries? Yes. Another question I have. So you mentioned a lot of the struggles that you came coming to America. And now that this coronavirus is here, <laughs> you're kind of stuck here as well. So can you tell us about how this virus affected your studies and kind of your entire life yeah so basically i wanted to to study here like and experience everything as much as i can unfortunately this like i have only two months left and then the coronavirus came and it canceled all classes all meetings I was uh, in, involved in many uh, clubs and doing a lot of work. Unfortunately, all of them just suspended. And yeah, if I had to go back to my home, like all the semester going to be canceled and I'm going to have another semester to get there. It's not going to transfer anything, any grade. But I'm staying here and it's kind of weird taking online classes because I've never experienced this before in my country oh that's a that i did not realize that so you were saying that if like a lot of the u grad people had to go back to their home countries and so the semester didn't count for them and so if that happened to you you would also be in a similar situation as well it's just like fear of me to go back but the u grad did their their best to to send the they use students back to their home, but they are taking actually continuing taking online classes from their country in the U.S. Oh, wow. That's interesting because I feel like that might pose some challenges with you if you ended up going back. The reliability of electricity is a little bit different in Gaza. Can you tell us a little bit about that. I know you mentioned some of the difficulties of people traveling outside of Gaza, but what exactly goes on there that don't realize or really hear about? Yeah, I was actually afraid to go there and continue my studying because so the electricity there just is on only six hours a day. And like it's so limited to have access to the internet. I was really afraid to go to continue my studying. Like it would just cost me another semester. Like it would be wasted all my time here.
I can't imagine having like six hours of just electricity. My screen time on my phone is ridiculous. It's way over six hours because I do everything on the internet. Mm -hmm. So I can't imagine being confined to that much time and how much difficulty it has for the people of Rezik. So can you explain why exactly like the electricity is like that and like what other things happen in Gaza? Like isn't quarantine like something that you experience a lot like in the wars there? Yeah, so like every time there is like as you know like Gaza is a place with a constant war. It's a war zone actually. So like any time that it would happen a war, then the electricity is going to be off the whole day. It's not even going to be available six hours. And also, like for me, being stuck in home is kind of something I am familiar with. I experienced this before, like as I experienced war in Gaza, three wars. So when you're quarantine at home in Gaza what's the reason for that I know it's war but are you just trying to protect yourself from like harm is for you guys yeah so basically any any place that you would reach in Gaza during the war gonna be suspicious as and targeted to to be bombed or bombed or anything at any time so it's it's safer for us just to stay home and just praying for things to be well and improve so what is, people have have made a new trend with quarantine, their quarantine routines, what they're doing, um, and all of that. So what's typically, when you guys have times of quarantine there, what is stuff that you guys typically yeah, do? Yeah, so mostly the family are gathering together, just sitting, playing cards, making food together just with the friends some friends join us also so it's mostly about community how all people visit each other encourage each other and this is how it is in gaza during quarantine wow that's definitely amazing i know like coronavirus because of what it is you have to keep like that social distancing and make sure that you're not with a community but you're still with your family and so that routine kind of applies here but a lot of people are already getting sick of their yeah. family. Do you, do you relate? Do you relate to that feeling or not really? Not really. Like I feel, I really want my family now. It's kind of weird for me being stuck in home without anyone. I don't have roommate. I don't have sweet mate even. Like so, it's really difficult for me to deal with it. And and I'm usually in a call with my family just to shake on them. They are really like stressed about me being here alone without anything. Yeah, that's definitely hard to imagine. I can't imagine being in this situation now and being all alone. I think you're a very strong individual to be able to do that and continue your studies. And so I hope that you're able to finish out okay and finish out the semester and be able to go return home and hope they're all safe. Inshallah. And so I know I've, I've been saying a lot of terms throughout those throughout the thing that some people may not know and so personally I know Minna and so we're both Arab and so we speak Arabic and so some of the terms I'm using are Arabic so like words like inshallah is like hopefully salam is like peace be upon you some type of greeting and so I just wanted to kind of interject and tell the audience 
what those terms mean. And if you feel free to speak in Arabic throughout the thing, and you can either translate the terms mm -hmm. that you're saying, or I can translate for the audience members, whatever you're more comfortable okay. with as well. Yeah, so... I just find that really interesting. I know just like how America is dealing with quarantine is just something I've never seen before. I think it's nothing that the world or America has seen before. So like just like the hysteria, you know, people are going to grocery stores. They're trying, they're wiping down the aisles. They're taking all the toilet paper, all like basic necessities, wipes, hand sanitizer, meat products. All of that. Now, when you guys have quarantine in Gaza, do people start wiping out the start wiping out grocery stores, or is it a completely different? Experience? No, actually, it's completely different experience. Like the grocery store would be more putting all the food, all groceries they have out for people to have access to. They always like trying to help and make all efforts for people. And there's this sense of socialism there that is kind of here different. Yeah, I and actually, like, because I'm American, I've grown up here, and I agree that there is not that, that community-orientedness in America. But I feel like, in a way, we've changed coronavirus. I've seen a, a part of humanity here that I've normally not seen where people are starting to check on their elderly neighbors, buy groceries for them, make sure that they're not going out in large crowds so they don't get this coronavirus. You know, people putting out messages to healthcare workers in their windows, making sure that they're arriving to work safely. People, organizations organizing food for students that are unable to get it. So I really do think that I'm seeing a side of America that I haven't seen before. We, I know there's all these nonprofit organizations, but I've never seen seen this level of yeah. community where people that people are going out and making sure everybody in the community is getting what they need it's truly remarkable honestly to see it and I think that this coronavirus has some positive outcomes that that we've already seen in humanity just being the nature of Arab culture and that yeah. hospitality um, is something that's kind of ingrained in us but i haven't really seen that in western yeah, society i noticed that like all my friends american friends they were checking on me even during my online classes they were asking minna if you need anything just tell us we can pick up some stuff from walmart for you so this kind of make me feel a little bit like home it's that behavior you didn't see all this happening like i've never experienced this before in america like people actually check like always on me like are you good do you need anything like usually everyone just in his business but now everyone is yeah we care about each other yeah and i think that's a, definitely a really positive outcome from all of this despite all the interruptions in life you know all of us are are losing things from this where like I was personally graduating from college this year and I I my graduation was delayed until the fall and so I had weddings to attend you know I had a lot of yeah. celebrations and and a lot of holidays and all of those are kind of canceled because of all this stuff that happened with coronavirus and so I think it's very enlightening to see this positive outcome. Yeah, sure. that, so you mentioned that you were part of a UGrad program exchange program to come here for a year and that a lot of your friends have returned back to their home country including your roommate and so I know you mentioned the situation in the Gaza Palestine 
And so what exactly is keeping you from going over there currently is making you So here? Gaza, basically, it's it's like a an open-air prison. So people there have really difficulties. Like, barely you can find people can go outside Gaza. Like, we have two borders, one with Israel and one with Egyptian, in the Egyptian side. And to go there or to go out there, you have to get a permission from both sides. Go from the Israel, like, through the Israeli border or whether from Egyptian border. So, basically, both borders are closed now for the coronavirus and also even the the way to go back i have to go to jordan so also jordan is restricting the airport the planes all flights i cannot go there even to have access to inter-palestine wow that's insane so do they have like a timeline of when they think everything will open back up or are you just kind of just waiting for update updates daily yeah to see what's there's going not on? nothing like obvious till this moment i'm just waiting for any update from from the news also they were yeah, they were trying actually oh, yeah. to uh, to get me back uh, through Israel, another border, but it's so complicated to go through this order to go back. I just couldn't imagine going through like Israel. I usually never hear many Palestinians yeah. going through through that method. I usually hear either like Jordan or Egypt. So I wonder how exactly the treatment would be at at the borders. Like when you came here, like when you were going through the borders, how was the treatment like from like the guards and everything? Was it as bad yeah, as they say it it's is? It's just uh, difficult to imagine that like the looking itself are kind of not comfortable, like how they look at you. I was like afraid to see a soldier wearing all this stuff, you know, for... Uh, for security and these things it's it was really like weird for me to look to and also they were like checking everything literally and they would just make you wait for hours for nothing like okay we're waiting here but what you are doing just waiting under the sun oh wow so i can't imagine like i feel like because i've went overseas and like I haven't, I haven't really experienced that much, I would say, like, discrimination or any type of thing. Like, it, even, like, in some airports, you know, it's not, like, to the extent of what you're experiencing, experiencing going from, like, between borders. But, you know, like, they, like, uh, pat you down, especially if you wear hijab. They're, like, patting you down on your head, thinking that you have something stored up in your yeah. hijab or something like that. Or even, like, your tr- treatment of, like, Americans overseas like even when i went to emirates or egypt americans are treated much differently especially if you're an arab american because they don't know they think you're not arab enough so they try to trick you in certain things like i remember when we went to egypt and we were going to the pyramids the person was trying to like tell us to pay a higher price because they didn't think we understood and we were arab and so they made my brother omar try to prove to them that he knew arabic by reading like reading ayahs or verses from the quran which is our holy book so i just that's just so my thing is not as big as of course your thing but you could kind of see 
a little bit of parallels between what yeah. we both experienced a little bit. Besides, so you know that you can't go to Gaza because of all these closed borders. How is the situation actually like in Gaza? Do you have you heard anything from family members or from the news about exactly how yeah, coronavirus Yeah, actually they confirmed two there? cases in Gaza and all people they're like they are really afraid because if someone has it then it's going to spread really quickly and unfortunately we don't have a really good health care equipment so it's basically if someone has coronavirus no one can fix it or try to improve the situation it's going to whether die or something like they can't do anything with it and already the hospitals and all the uh, the health sectors are re- overloaded with people So it's kind of really difficult if they separate really quickly. So you said that the reaction of the people there, that they're very fearful, like most people are here as well. So, like, what are they doing? Are they really taking, like, social distancing seriously? Like, are they not even leaving their houses barely for groceries? Like, what is their reaction versus, so, like, the American So, we don't reaction? have, like, uh, this technology to pick up things from Walmart or Target. We don't have, uh, like, packages to go. So, people, when they can't go to grocery, but they are taking all the... Uh, the effort to keep themselves safe, not to touch things. And actually, it's it's also difficult for them because they usually quarantine with with each other. But now they are just keeping social distancing and only families are in the house. And like for me, my family, only my father goes to grocery and then he comes back really quickly. I'm trying not to, to be in touch with anyone. Wow, that's insane. Well, you mentioned that America has a lot of luxuries that other countries don't. So, like, we have the luxury to stay in our homes, even for groceries. We can have groceries delivered. We can buy packages from Amazon, Target, Costco. So that's very interesting that you made it that, that you guys don't have those things. So you, like, it's required that you go to grocery stores. And you also mentioned something interesting in that, that usually when you quarantine for war, you usually do it with friends, but because of the social distancing, it's just family. So you said that usually you guys keep each other mm-hmm. entertained by like playing games and doing those types of things. So how do you think that's different removing like your friends from the equation? So does that make it much like not that much more to do now that you guys don't really have that much electricity and you don't re- you can't really be Yeah, with it, it's just like this. It's just like here now. Like just people staying in their home, they don't have any way to make any entertainment for themselves. They just sitting and keep updated with the news. Wow. And I think that's like detrimental, at least for me, like when I, when this first happened, like I was, I would say I was very mentally like not unstable, but I was very like, if I was just entertained by the news, like I've been trying to not consume my time with the news as much. And I feel like with the situation in Gaza, plus people only having the news as their form of entertainment, I feel like that might not be good for the people of Gaza. Do you feel like because that's the only thing they can really watch or do that that's that they're kind of consumed by it and that it's worry a little bit I feel more. this is their way to to feel they are still connected to the outer world like just being updated with the news to see what is going on like 
besides and outside uh, Gaza. So they're like, it's kind of uh, weird, but yeah, it's like an entertainment for them. Your experiences living in Gaza, the quarantine, kind yeah. of what goes on there. So you were talking about how, like, your family, like, selected your brother to be the one to go to the grocery stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned that here where we have the luxuries of being able to do, like, store pickup from Target. Like, they'll have our items prepared or they can take it to our trunk or they can even deliver it to us. So is that, do you feel like Americans are appreciative of our luxuries? Like, do we, like, I feel like we have so much luxury luxury that we're just unaware because we haven't lived in anything different yeah i mean yeah my friends are always comparing like how do you how it is minna in gaza like is it the same they feel it's they are different so they are aware kind of they are aware of the thing that they have access to that other countries may not have and that's like interesting so like, I feel like just because of my background and some of the different people and places that I've lived or even having family members in different areas, I might have the same awareness. And I think the internet connects the people to a lot of different areas. And, and we're not as different as people might think or people are more culturally aware than they have ever been before. Like, I know even when I first met you, like, just thinking about other stuff besides our luxuries in America. Like, I just thought, like, I don't know, that Gaza was, like, people in Gaza weren't, like, modern. Like, they, they you know, they didn't have social media, they like, phones. They didn't, like, like the same things as as we do. And I feel like you definitely proved me wrong with that. It, it is the same when I interact, when, that, when I interact with my friends here. They build, like, they know about these places, how the life that's difficult for them but they don't know the details of the lifestyle itself like they think okay we don't have access all the time for electricity and internet but actually we don't know about the playstation or online games we don't know this but no my my brothers they like this stuff we enjoy the same things yeah so we're definitely more connected than we've ever been before and i think i was even putting like the things i thought about you i was already expecting it from you before i even met you which was kind of insane like i think you definitely proved to me that i should probably talk to a person from that area before i make these perceptions that that you guys are not modern that you guys are like old style like and so I feel like definitely that you definitely change my opinion about that like I definitely think people are definitely more connected and even in areas that are more remote or don't have as access to as many people enjoy the same things that every other young person or any other person in the world would enjoy and we are also talking about I remember before we were talking about coronavirus in Gazan you mentioned that there's two confirmed cases currently and that a lot of people are worried that if it spreads that that Gaza won't be able to deal with it because lack of medical supplies now did you feel like that ever would be the case in America because I know we have similar worries where our government didn't prepare properly for this and so we have a shortage of supplies and so we're getting shipments in from China we have a lot of big companies doting money and resources for us to get proper health equipment did you ever think America would be in that situation 
because to think yeah, that we're all rich and all of that sort of thing. Yeah, I definitely did not expect that. Like, it was really surprising for me to see that there's a shortage of medical supplies here. Yeah, it was, I feel like there is nowhere to go in this pandemic situation that any people would have access to medical supplies properly. Do you think everywhere is kind of a similar situation where like no matter where you are in the world that, that people still should be fearful because there is not proper supplies? Yes. I made this assumption before that no, America is different. They're going to have everything. But it's shocking me now that no, it's also for America. Yeah, so I think that I think even shocking for Americans, believe it or not. So we're always thought to have everything. And so when we don't, then we're fearful because it's a feeling we had never experienced before. But you might have experienced where a lot of the times when you lived in Gaza, you probably didn't have a lot of those things readily accessible. So kind of how do you deal with that? So people there, they built something from out of nothing. Like they can, I don't know how they deal with this stuff, but they are so creative. They can create something that should fit them. Like, I saw some stuff also in the media, how people use some stuff making masks or uh, they're actually making also hand soap, like homemade hand soap and ma'akim lal'idan. I saw that too. I saw on the news that in Palestine, it wasn't in Gaza, but it was in uh, the West Bank, which is another region of Palestine. And they had, they had a area like... I think somebody who they produce some other type of product and they transformed what they were doing to make masks, which I think Palestinians, because of all these hardships that they went to, they've learned to be very adaptive and kind of use the resources at their disposal. Like I remember years ago, and you probably could, could probably like clarify or or confirm if this happened or not. But I remember when Gaza went through one of their wars again, there was at one point a, like a water park or something, or they made a water park or something from broken up materials of like buildings or something. Is that right? Or am I like mistaking some of the details? I think it's right. I hear something like that. And also they are also making electricity, access to electricity. They are building something from the stones. I don't know how they are doing this. But I know someone who was making projects that create electricity from the stone. It was really a um, different thing. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. Like, like America doesn't have to even worry about those small inconveniences during this time because we're just so used to having it. So we have that luxury that's something else we don't have to worry about during this quarantine, which is definitely, like, amazing. And I feel like America, maybe after this pandemic, has adapted some of those Palestinian qualities of being able to be efficient with the materials that we have. So a lot of people are making use of, like, old cloth material and making homemade masks at home. A lot of different companies that produce, like, products that are unrelated or like or protective equipment has switched gears and started making those types of stuff so that's something that you you're saying has always been part of palestinians they always had to have that ability to be able to make something out yes. of nothing that's insane like some of those things the stone thing really got me like that's i just can't i can't like fathom it like like rocks are seen as something to like kick around here not something we could actually use for something so they really do go the extra mile to find any use out of anything yeah. 
I think it's popular in the TEDx. It's uh, the girl who made this. She called uh, Majd al Masharawi, and she made she showed that in the TEDx. Oh, does she have like a yeah. TEDx talk? So, kind of just some last thoughts as well. So, what message do you have for Americans about this coronavirus? So, you personally have been in quarantine. You have been in many positions where it wasn't the best situation, and you were still were able to be positive. Yeah. And so, what's a message that you have for everyone about how to stay yeah. positive during yeah, this time? Yeah, I used to think always after everything that is going bad, something good gonna happen. So, this is what encouraged me to stay positive and to stay looking forward to something uh, better in the future and in life in general so just be patient and be positive just looking at the positive side that we're all learning something new we're creating stuff that we have never think about and that's all yeah i find that very enlightening that you always try to see the positive out of every situation and that there's always going to be some type of good outcome of like people making new creations like we were saying with all these different companies creating these new products and i kind of have a similar standpoint you know I think we have to stay positive during this time in order to get through. But I just think even in our situations currently, we're very privileged in a, and in a position to help other people. So by you sharing your story, you're helping people kind of get a side of how other people are living in coronavirus and quarantine and how privileged we are as Americans for the luxuries we have as simple as electricity and us not trying to find other forms of electricity through like stones and all of that yeah. sort of stuff. And so we have the ability to be able to make that change. And I really do think I see Americans doing that by all of these small acts that we've been seeing over the past month. And so I really appreciate you being here for our first episode. Thank you so much, Minna, for being our first guest on Amplify and really entrusting us with your voice and your story. I hope you guys enjoy this episode and learn more about a little sector of the world called Gaza, Palestine, and what coronavirus really looks like there. To keep up with Amplify and cultural communications and to continue the conversation, Follow us on Facebook at Cultural Communications or Instagram at CulturalCom and follow us on anywhere you like to enjoy podcasts. To know how you like the podcast and what you want to see more from us, please leave us a review. I really look forward to talking to you guys in our next episode and learning more about how coronavirus affected other areas of the world and other marginalized groups of people. Before we end this episode, I just wanted to let you guys know that Minna actually returned home safely and is currently in self-quarantine for the next three weeks in Gaza. So we may actually do another interview and keep in touch and hear her experiences traveling during coronavirus and her quarantine experience in Gaza. 